0: Oh, hey there, ladies and germs. Welcome back to class. This is World Studies, a.k.a. Global Veritas. Veritas meaning truth. Make sure you're in the right class. If you need to get up and leave, go for it. I mean, you clicked on it. You are in the right place if you are seeking out an understanding of how the world works. This is not a history of the world course. This is a social studies view of the world. Social studies includes a whole bunch of stuff. But think of the world like a vehicle. I don't really, honestly, I know minimal things about how cars or trucks or vehicles function, but it's made up of a bunch of parts, or even better yet, like a functioning organism. Everything has a place in the organism. If one thing gets messed up, it impacts potentially, maybe not, but just about everything in the organism. Think of it, here's another analogy. This is the one I used last week, like a spider web. If you look at a spider web, every intersection of the threads, they can be traced and connected to every other intersection in the web. That is the world. That's kind of that's kind of the universe, yeah, but let's just use the world, right? Everything is connected, and you see that with COVID, a disease that happens or a virus that happens in China has made it way, made its way all around the world. But not only that, it's not like everyone's scared of just getting the virus. Like economies are impacted. Your day-to-day life, your day-to-day life is impacted by a virus that happens in China. So many things are connected. Now, this class is seeking out an understanding of the way in which the world works. It's not a history. It's more of looking at the machine. So you can understand the machine, you can figure out how the machine works, and once you figure out how the machine works, you then identify your place in the machine, and perhaps the machine runs smoother. Let's go. Oh, yes. So last week, hopefully if you're listening to this week's, you you listened to last week's because this is a class, right? You might have been able to miss last week's and know where we're at today, but you're going to have to start to follow along. So if you want to, pause now, give it an hour, listen to last week's episode, then come back tomorrow, next week. I don't really care. Do whatever you want. But last week talked about what this class is, world studies, global Veritas. It's a social studies perspective on the world to understand the how the world functions, how the world works, the algorithm, if you will, of the world. Now, rather than doing historical, chronological, we're going to do thematic. And there's going to be four units, four major units that's going to develop our ability to objectively contextualize and analyze something to understand something for what it is. Now, First unit, culture, second unit, liberty, third unit, industrialization, fourth unit, gender, and really, identifiers. Before we get into that, we got to go through what I'm going to call boot camp, and that's a one-week thing, one session, so this might be an hour long, where we're talking about how we approach our thinking. This, in my opinion, even if nothing else is listened to, I do find this, what we're about to talk about, to be potentially the most important, especially coming up on the election. It's boot camp on what we call historical thinking skills. This is, in my arg- in my opinion, not my argument, my opinion, one of the reasons why social studies is important. We're teaching you how to approach understanding very complex things. Going to do it through two things. Contextualization and sourcing. (laughs) I'm going to do it through the lens of culture. But we're essentially, we're working on your ability to spot fake news. And not fake news as one side has said it. It's fake news as in all and any. Almost everything has an essence of fake news. It's kind of concerning, I feel. I think we all know it. There is an entity out there. You could call it the system. You could call it whatever. But Higher ups and something above you and I is trying to deceive you. They want you to be a pawn in their game. Now, it's easy to become a pawn in the game. We all kind of are pawns in the game. But we also have we the people. And the best way for us not to be pawns in their game is to use our brains, because the people do have the ability, and this is what the people, the higher ups know. And I'm not, I'm really not trying to get all conspiracy theory here. If you disagree with this, I'd really like to know why. But like, just listen to the news. They want you to think something, right? They want to give you information. Now, back in the day, and we're gonna look at this. And I, when I mean back in the day, we're gonna go all the way back to like the 1400s, essentially. With the church in Europe, as the example, your access to information was most likely minimum because you were probably going to be a peasant. But even then, like you don't have the internet, you you might come across a few books in your life. So your access to information is essentially trusting whatever it is that the people are giving you. You would think that with the internet and our ability to access. In our pockets, pretty much, and when I say our, I am acknowledging that not everyone has this, at least in the United States, definitely not the world, but if you're listening to this, you have some form of access to the internet. Um, in your pocket is a device that, almost, that gives you almost every piece of information that's ever existed. You would think that that would set us leap years for it. Where everyone in the world, everyone in the least developed nations, and we're going to talk about what that means, has access to truth. And I put that in quotations, if you can see my hands, I'm doing the quotes. But what's actually happened is, now that there is all this information, there's misinformation. And things are getting incredibly tricky. Before it was you were, like, you had to watch the news, channel three, whatever, right? You, like, I'm going to, like, the 1950s here, I suppose. With your TV, you had, like, four channels, and it was the news, and they were telling you the news, and you're like, okay. You kind of had to believe it. Now, I can find the news on almost an innumerable amount of sites. I don't know... How many sites there are, like blogs, Twitter, everything that can give you information. There's sources, and we're gonna get into that. sources. If this doesn't interest you, I promise you, we're gonna get into like the really nitty gritty stuff of like witchcraft and cannibalism and uh, people throwing acid in women's faces. Like there is some like really bizarre, far out there stuff. But before we understand that, we have to talk about how to wrestle. With information because we're going with the assumption that people want to deceive you. And the goal is if it's global veritas, which means veritas means truth, we want to try to understand something for what it is, especially when we're looking at things that we're not familiar with sweatshops, ISIS, whatever, which we're going to be doing. And especially when we have the election coming up. And I'm already, when I see commercials of political candidates on both sides, you're better off assuming that they're trying to trick you than they're they're telling you the truth, which is sad. It's kind of a bummer. Makes you not want to watch the news. Do what you want. Okay. Contextualization and sourcing. Check it. My daughter will be heading to California shortly after she marries. What should the daughter consider in order to have a successful trip? Class. Well, uh, she better, obviously, I don't know. Is she driving? Is she flying? She needs money. Okay. Now, let's say the year is 1853. What should the daughter consider? Oh boy. Is your wagon in good condition? You realize you got to cross through the Rocky Mountains, so you should better, you better need like winter stuff? How about where the natives are? Where are the Native Americans located? The Amerindians. What's the proper way to call it? Native Americans, Amerindians? It depends. What's the point? Context: What time are we dealing with? Now, that's more so in historical context. So, for instance, you're learning about, I don't know, colonialism. You have to understand that event for what it was at that time. So, like, what were the people like? What is the world like then? Place it into historical context. So, time and place, as in understand the world that was anything, anything historical, going all the way back to like 9-11, if in order to understand 9-11, you have to place it into context, you have to understand what the world was like at that time, what the people were like, a whole bunch of things, we're going to get into like how to contextualize, here's another one. Sitting by the porch, she put her feet up, let her hair down, and studied for her science test. Good for her. Actually, it's in Syria. In territory controlled by the Islamic State. So let's just rewind right there. Sitting by the porch, not a problem. She put her feet up. Whoa there. Hold up let her hair down. Oh my gosh. And she studied for her science test. Okay, we're going to have to go to the Quran for that one. I'm not sure about that one. Depending on where you are, again, you have to ask, what are the people like? What do they believe? What does this mean to them? The context of sitting by the porch, she put her feet up, let her hair down, studied for a science test. In the United States, not a big deal. In certain areas in very orthodox, conservative, Muslim cultures, that's kind of a big deal. Letting your hair down in public is a huge no-no. So, you, as the one who is learning about and trying to understand an event or a piece of information, you need to remove what you know about that or what you would think about that and you need to place it into context. It's called contextualization. When researching or understanding an event, so either current or historical, we have to place it into context. Anything that happens, event in the news, any quote you have from someone, it has to be placed into context. If it's historical, you got double the job If it's historical, you say, okay, first, when was it? Who said it? What was this person like? What were people like back in the day? And there's three different lenses that we're going to look at that you have to consider when looking at something. If it's current, you got to think about, okay, again, where is it? What is that place like? What are the people like there? Now, if it's in the United States, even the United States is not just the same. It's not like a single hue of whatever color you want, whatever color you think of, when you think of the United States. It's a rainbow. It's the melting pot. It's incredibly diverse. So something that happens, let's say in Texas is a bit different than something that happens potentially in New England. Because the first thing you have to do is place it into context. Where is it? What are the people like? What's happening? For instance, a man going outside and shooting a gun in Texas can be a bit different than someone doing that in Manhattan. Simple, obvious. That's context. That happening in the United States even is different than that happening in England. That's context. What is it like there? So context is the political, social, and economic environment related to the moments, events, or trends. So in order to put whatever it is you're looking at into context, what are questions that we should ask? And again, when I say whatever it is, that means an event. So something has happened or a source. It could be a headliner. It could be someone's quote. An event or a source that has happened. A moment, an event, or a trend even. Let's place it in context. Now, there's three lenses that were involved in that definition. You got your social lens, your political lens, and your economic lens. The social lens would be what are... Like, what are the people like? So who are the people involved? But then you got to think about, is this a, like, a is, is understanding the social context going to give me a better understanding of this event? As in, are there different groups of people involved? For instance, if something happens in the United States, like this these um, peaceful and non-peaceful protests, like things going on in Seattle, or sorry, Portland, are there social groups involved? is this like a, a racial issue as in black and white, hispanic, asian, whatever like is then you got to understand the dynamic between these groups. And that might not even be the cause for this event. You're trying to understand, you're trying to place this event into context. So you're asking yourself, who are the different people specifically as an in individually, then also the different groups of people involved, and what is the the dynamic between them? For instance, conflict between India and Pakistan that's social. If you know the history of it, that used to really be like one territory it used to be India and then the Muslims got Pakistan, the Hindus got India. Uh, there's way more to it but that is a social context right that so the social aspect is it could be different religious groups, different racial groups, even um, things such as like sexual orientation. Is that a understanding that context going to help me understand this event better? And then if it is, let's say, something social of religious and it's like Hindu and Muslim and Pakistan and India, you should understand where both sides are coming from. So like, okay, what do these people believe now? That is going to get us into sourcing. We'll call it that. We'll get to that in a moment. But you need to, if you understand, if you're looking at the social lens, you need to understand the people, what they are like, what is their culture like, what they believe. Culture can be broken down into so many parts, like subculture, the, the culture of a school, the culture of a classroom. You want to understand the people there. It's like the interpretivist interpretivist approach. What are these people's motivations? What are their beliefs about blank? Does understanding that, the people involved in this, and what motivates them and their perspective on this, does this help me understand this event better, the cause and effect of whatever event? Usually because we're doing social studies, the, the social lens is usually involved. The other two lenses would be political and economic. So political is an event has happened in let's say North Korea. You need to know the political status. That could be like what is the what type of government do they have? So you have like North Korea and then you have an area where there's a lot less control of government, so like certain areas in Africa. Where the government's there, but they're not as involved, we'll call it. Like North Korea, the government is totally involved. So, someone speaking out in North Korea is way different than someone speaking out in, let's say, Sudan. Now, the reason being it's way different is there's different political context. So, you need to know when you're looking at an area, okay what is the government like here? Does that help me understand this event better or like the cause for this event? For instance, corona, let's use coronavirus. Political is huge, even social. Social is big because in the United States, we're very individual. And it's very much like a, I have my own individual freedoms. So for some reason, people... Being told to wear a face mask is like a, oh, you're going to tell me what to do and then watch me do the opposite. That's kind of an an American thing to do. In other cultures, like in the East and kind of a lot of places just other than the United States, it's like, okay, what do we got to do to make this better for everyone else? All right, let's do that. There's all like the social continuity continuity in the United States is so diverse too. Right? Because there's so many different cultures and subcultures within the United States. So to say like, oh, Americans don't do that. Like, you, Then you don't understand Americans because there's different types of Americans. And that's the same for everywhere. But like America is the melting pot and very diverse. That's a social, contextual understanding of coronavirus in the United States. Political? The government? Until who knows maybe in the future has they've tried to shut down things as in like unless it's a gathering of 10 people you can't do that and then they ask people to wear a face mask because americans are all about liberty and freedom from restrictions so when the government tries to do something keyword try the best they can do is like I don't know, fine you, maybe arrest you. If it got to the point where people are being arrested for not wearing a face mask, like that would be a really interesting day in the United States because the political context shows me that like the government can try. In China, the government could, they have a lot more control. Let's say that, that if they catch you outside, they can do more stuff than in the United States. And historical things going on, like there's a lot more stuff to be worried about. Like it isn't just coronavirus in the United States currently. Like that's the other context. Like what else is going on around it? We got a lot of racial tension, which is probably good because that means progress is moving forward, right? That's another. That's a social lens, right? That's placing it into context. Why is it so? When you ask yourself, let's say. Why is the United States struggling so hard with coronavirus? Let's look at the social lens. Well, a lot of Americans don't like being told what to do. There also seems to be a trend of the social aspect is Americans don't tend to trust science all the time. And they're like, man, I don't know about that one. And I just did a Southern accent. Whoops. Whoops. Because it's not just the Southerners, it's everywhere. But like Americans know other Americans that are like, I don't know. Like, And a lot of outside of countries look at America like that. That's a social lens of understanding of, okay, we got this virus and this is how it spreads and people are, one, don't want to wear a face mask because they don't like being told what to do and two, they don't know if it's necessarily true. That's a social understanding. Political, the government is limited in what it can do to like, the government can't bring tanks down the street or like armored vehicles and say get inside or else we're going to arrest you. The government can't do that. The government can do that in other countries. If they want. That's a difference in culture, but that's context. So like I I think this is going to happen in 50 years and 100 years they're going to look back and like look at why, what did some countries do what did other countries do. The social aspect is, it's difficult to get all of America on the same page. As in like, hey, everyone, it would be really helpful if we all just stayed inside for as long as possible and it wore face masks. Good luck. In other countries, that's a lot easier because of the social context. than the political, hey, if you go outside, there's going to be consequences. In America, it's like, good luck. Good luck telling me that. The final one is economic. A little bit less with coronavirus, but the economic lens so you have the social lens the political lens so social is who are the people involved what do they believe what do they like what is what are the dynamics between the different social groups political is what is the status of the government is it a political issue that's causing this so are they, are these different political groups what do they believe last one's economic what is the status of the economy because and is this is the HDI Um, the development index, human development index. And that's essentially, is money or lack thereof going to help me understand why this event is happening? For instance, if there is an increase in... If there is an increase in civil unrest, does that also connect to... what is there like a recession in the economy? lately? like, What's the status of the economy? Are, do, are people losing jobs? And is that also leading to a civil unrest? So perhaps like that, it could be something with um, the racial riots, like the George Floyd thing happened in the United States. How many other, and like, it's so terrible, Ob- like how many other instances of George Floyd happened in the United States and people are like, hey, that's pretty messed up. But then like, it didn't go off like it did after George, George Floyd, right? You need to place it in the context. Is it, and this is just a question to ask, like, is it because of having to be stuck inside people weren't being distracted by jobs? So like what I could wake up and see the George Floyd video, but then I got to go to work and like, I got to think about other things. After George Floyd, everyone was just chilling on their house, watching this video. Like, yo, that's crazy. Meanwhile, the African-American community has been like, dude, this has been going on for hundreds of years. Like, wake up. The economic lens is, were people also angry? Like, does losing jobs help me understand why this happened? Let's say, like, the French Revolution. That is all three. It's a social, it's a political, and economic lens. What is there? an increase in suicides, like perhaps that's connected to losing jobs. Does understanding the status of, and the wealth of a nation help me understand why blank event is occurring? So again, and like I'm talking big picture here, look at an event, look at it from three different lenses, the social lens, Who are all the individual people involved in this? And it might not literally be individual, but it could be like celebrities or big figures, the main characters in that story. Who are all the different social groups? That could be racial, could be religious, anything cultural. Political. What type of government are we dealing with? How much freedom do individuals have? How much power does the government have Is this a political party issue? Is this people rising up against the government? Is this people fighting political oppression? Is this the government oppressing people? Does considering it from a political lens help me understand this event better? And then finally, economic. What is the status of the economy and how much wealth does this nation have? Does that help me understand why this is happening? Is this a like a social class issue? And I say social class, I mean like upper, middle, lower. Is the lower class getting way too large and that is what has led to blank? I think of it like this. If you just had this abstract painting um, and you had it, conveniently had three colors, let's say blue, red, and yellow... And it was just blue, red, yellow paint splatted all around. Obviously, the colors are going to mix at times. Sometimes they're on their own. If you were to just take a step back and say like, okay, I'm just going to focus on blue right now. Where is the blue in this? How much blue is involved? Sometimes blue is barely there. As in sometimes this is not economic at all. There's no economic context to this event. Then you go with red. Let's say that's political. And then yellow. The big picture, all these colors are mixed together, but when you just focus on a color at a time, it will help you understand the context of this event. Again, such as she put her feet up, let her hair down, and studied for her science test. That is a social, and also even a political context. It's not really economic. The social context is who are the people there? What do they believe? They don't think that a woman should have her hair down in public. Depending on how conservative it is, like if it's in the Islamic state, there's no separation of what we would call church and state or like mosque and state. So the government is based on the Quran. Sharia law. So anything you're looking at. Who are the people? What are they like? What's the government like? Do they give people freedom? Because for instance, like just to rewind like for a split second, a woman, a Muslim woman in the United States putting her feet up and letting her hair down, studying for a test, is possible. It's possible in the Islamic State, but she will most likely get punished for that. But A woman could do that and then like a very conservative Muslim could be walking by and then see that and then dislike it. But in the United States, the political context is like everyone is kind of individually free. So that person can dislike it. They have the freedom to say it, but they can't really do much about it. You can't assume that it's just blanket across the world and everything is the same. So you have to place events into context. What caused this event? What has led up to, like, what happened right before this event that will help me understand it? This quote, historic or current, who said it? Was it in a conversation? So we need to place that into context. Like, that is something that we'll get into in misinformation. Why should we do this? Um, placing into context just helps you understand it objectively for, like for what it is. It's difficult to put something Or to get something out of context Like a quote Especially in this political season Um, But I mean Even for our current life right? The ability to distinguish Between causation and correlation Is key The difference between correlation And causation is Causation is B couldn't happen Without A occurring or at least A is a, a factor in B occurring. It has caused it. This, these are these two events are connected. Versus correlation, they just so happen to occur at the same time. Your ability to distinguish that is key. Such as like when people say, like, oh, we're losing jobs because of blank. Like, place it into context. Are they connected? Is there causation or is it just correlation? If they're not, then this is either that person is wrong and they're spewing out incorrect information, thinking that they're right, or you're being deceived. This is the critical thinking. Look at something, place it into context, understand why is this happening? Social, economic, political lens, any major events that happened before it. Are they connected? Is there causation or Correlation. What did they say? Getting quotes from someone. Put it into context because it's so easy. Like I could talk for an hour and then someone could take a quote, like a line from what I said and then completely use it out of context. So you should be like, okay, well, who is this person? That's a social, right? Like who is this person? What do they believe? Is it likely that they would say that? Were they having a conversation? Like, where did they get this information from? You're placing it to context. The biggest thing is fighting fake news, which leads to sourcing. Or as I like to call it, sourcing. Did you check your sources? Now, a source is... A person, publication or, publication, or object that gives information. So it could be like a video, an article, a picture, a book, an interview, a tweet, anything that's giving you information. It doesn't have to be true information. It is giving you information. Now, I have two sections that we're about to break down, and then this is the last half of the class today. Deception, and then rising above it. When dealing with sources or information, that's understanding events or ideas, historical or modern, there are plenty of pitfalls that will prevent you from understanding the truth. Now, you're trying to understand what has happened, what that person said, or what this idea is first thing to distinguish, and this is historical stuff, primary and secondary source. So a primary source is the original. The secondary source is something that comes from the original. For instance, let's say there was a huge fight in the cafeteria. A primary source is footage of the fight or someone who is there explaining the fight now there's going to be issues with that the best that you can get the best thing you can do is to like see it live or experience it live that's why footage or audio is great they could be edited which can be scary but if you can see footage of the fight and you're trying to understand like what happened like imagine this is what we do with our students what we're going to be doing with our students in american studies There's going to be a fight in the cafeteria. They lost all the footage. So the students have to get a bunch of different sources and then try to figure out what happened. And they have to distinguish like which source holds the most weight. If you can get footage of what happened, that is as objective as possible. Now, the angle could be iffy. But if you can see what it is, that's a primary source, right? That is like you're seeing what happened. When you start to get people talking about it, that's when it gets iffy. Now, a primary source is, source is still someone who is there, who's talking about it. Like, they walk away. I'm the dean of students. I pulled that kid aside and said, yo, tell me what happened. That's a primary source. There's a difference between Suzanne, who was actually there, told Bethany, who was not there. And then Bethany told Amanda, and I'm asking Amanda what happened. You get the difference. Suzanne told told Bethany. Bethany hears the story. She's like, "Oh, nice." One, she heard it from the perspective of Suzanne. Can we trust Suzanne? I don't know yet. Then Bethany tells Amanda, "You ever play the game Telephone or Whisper Down the Lane?" It's very difficult to keep facts straight when it's passed on. So, a secondary source is not coming from the ori- is not the original. Sorry. It's coming from the original. So it's like, I heard from, or this person meant, or this person said. A secondary source is, let's say like a primary source is Mein Kampf from Hitler. If you don't, I don't know why that just randomly came into my head, but like, read Mein Kampf. That is Hitler writing about his beliefs. A secondary source is, Joe Schmo reads Mein Kampf and then writes a book about it. His book about Mein Kampf is a secondary source. He's telling you what Hitler said. The best thing you can do is read what Hitler said. That is not always the case and you're not always going to have access to that information. So, you must recognize when you're dealing with a secondary source, as in it's not the original, you have to acknowledge that it might not be true. The best thing that you can do is see something for yourself. If you can't see something for yourself anyone who is there or anyone who is in it so if you're learning about the cannibals in Papua New Guinea there's two ways to go about it. one you can hear from the cannibals from Papua New Guinea or two you can listen to someone who's telling you about the panic the cannibals from Papua New Guinea. I am a secondary source okay sourcing any primary or secondary source, ask yourself, who made this piece of information? If it's like a tweet or an article or a documentary, anything, who's telling me this, where did it come from? So you just got to ask yourself, like, is, <laughs> who's the author? For a couple different reasons. One, is this person an expert? Like, does this person know what they're talking about? Because I could watch a video about how we didn't land on the moon from a 30-year-old dude that lives in the basement with his mom who's not, like, who has done a bunch of research and I put that in quotations, but he's not an expert in the field. Or even worse, like, I'm following a kid's, a 12-year-old's TikTok telling me about all this stuff. No offense, you might know a lot, but like you're not an acknowledged expert in that field. I should know who's telling me this information. If someone's reporting about all the stuff that's going on in Portland, is that person there? Is that person just like a random blogger that's hearing the stuff that's happening? Like who are you that's giving me this information? Then ask yourself, what bias or biases does this person have we're going to assume that everyone is biased now bias is prejudice in favor of or against one thing person or group compared with another usually in a way considered to be unfair it's not always unfair but someone reporting to me about what's going on in portland here here's a great example I see a tweet or I look at an article and it's a video of something happening and then below that is someone telling me what's happening. That person could easily place that video out of context one or two, the way that they understand what's happening, like the way they word things could be like, look how that police officer violently attacked blank or look how this person violently attacked the police officer. Or you could say, look how this person was defending himself from the police officer. How you word it is key. This person is a secondary source unless they were that person and then they're explaining what they're doing. But then even then, they are explaining their own bias, their side of the story. This is, it gets so overwhelming. But there's a difference between seeing the video and then seeing the video and then reading what the person says that's like presenting this information. Sometimes you're just best off just looking at the video and trying to understand what happened because that person that's de- explaining and describing what happened is biased. They are even, it's either explicit or implicit. They are prejudiced in some way. And the way that they understand that of them could not be totally correct. And they're not even trying to do it. Now, You have explicit and you have implicit bias. Explicit bias is like they're deliberately prejudiced. They're like someone who, let's say, has like... a, And this isn't even... This isn't... This is natural, so I just want to point this out. Someone that has like a Blue Lives Matter flag on their car and then is talking about like stuff that's going on in Portland is probably outwardly biased. I am explicitly biased towards the Philadelphia Eagles. If it was, you ask me like, how was the game? If I say it was a good game, that means we won probably because I'm explicitly biased. Someone like, so you have to check who is this person that's presenting this information? are they a primary, or secondary source? What are their bias? Implicit bias is like subconscious things that they're not even really aware of. It could be like someone who has a Blue Lives Matter thing. And I, I would also like to point out, I feel like I have to do this all the time. I'd like to point out, someone could have a Blue Lives Matter thing and then still be like very good at acknowledging their own bias. Like that's great. They could be objective and like this happened. That's good. You should be assessing like, okay, who are you? What do you believe? Does it seem that what you believe is influencing what you're saying. This is also a key. There's like so many things to this, folks. Just because this person will have a, let's say, a Blue Lives Matter flag on their car doesn't mean they're wrong if what they're saying about the video supports their own beliefs. That doesn't mean they're wrong. You can't just say, hey, you're biased and then like because you're biased and you have that blue lives matter flag on your car anything you say that supports a theory that a police officer is doing the right thing is wrong you can't do that you have to take into consideration what they're saying just like you have to take into consideration of the other side and what they're saying think about what they're saying but also sourcing acknowledge this person who are they what do they believe and then you honestly have to ask yourself, one, are they biased? Are they explicitly or implicitly? Are they trying to deceive me? Are they trying to get me to believe something that they want me to believe? This is a burden. The same like, And we're doing this because we're about to dive into things that are incredibly complicated. All around the world. Climate change, North Korea, like sovereignty, the things the United States is doing in South America, and we're going to be looking at information and we're getting our information and we have to be asking ourselves, where is this information coming from? Who is this person that's presenting this to me? Is this a primary secondary source? If it's a secondary source, why might it be wrong? Why might this not be entirely true? For instance, in the lunch fight, Junior takes a handful of potatoes and launches it at David's face. So everyone that's there says, like, oh, Junior started it. But then someone else is like, no, David said blank. And that, like, he said something very offensive to Junior. And then that's what made Junior throw the thing. Who started the fight? That's kind of opinion. Because you could say, look, well, David or Junior swung first with the potatoes, but David said something. So, like, even everyone who is there is not going to share the same opinion. That has to be acknowledged and considered. The last type of bias is what we all go through and this is like something I want to check back to at the end is confirmation bias. Um, but let's get into fake news. So you're going to, all the time really, depending on how much you interact with the news, I suppose, you're going to be experiencing news that's not necessarily true. They're going to tell you this has happened, and they're going to tell it from their perspective. One, they're they're trying to deceive you, or two, they're implicitly biased and they don't know it. And their opinion, while could be valid, still has bias in it. Fake news. There's a couple different types of misinformation. We'll call it because if you think fake news gets like pushes to one side, fake news or misinformation could be satire, like The Onion. That's not true. It's misinformation. Is it just trying to be funny? Another one is misleading content. In order to support what I'm saying, I'm going to find information that's not even necessarily relevant. But if I just add that in there, you could believe me. Like, <laughs> and this might be wrong, but this is the first thing that comes into my mind. Like Epstein and Clinton, there's like information that Clinton flew in Epstein's plane. So you're like, well, that boom, bam, Clinton's involved. Now he might be, who knows, man. That's the thing. Like I can't assume like that's, that could be misleading content. like, well, you know, they were friends, right? Like, okay. That might, you might be right, but I can't assume that that's true. Like that could be misinformation. It's unfortunate because like you got to be careful. Essentially, someone has to just be caught red-handed. Maybe. Or there's just so much information that's been placed in context that we can only assume. Um, Fabricated content. So that is content that's made up. Like they add on fake information people do that accidentally. I've told you this story about how I was camping with my family and my brother and I were playing on a hill. My brother fell down the hill. He got all scraped up. My mom said, Sean, please be careful. We're going to go take care of Justin. Don't fall down the hill. I'm like, you got it. I ran, fell down the hill, scraped myself up. And I was telling this story to my family and they were like, Justin was never on the hill with you. Like, You're the only one who fell. I was like, what? Like I made it up. I wasn't trying to, but I did. So if I tell that story, like that's fabricated, that's fake news kind of. Also, I could just make something up and like fabricate information to try to deceive you. You could do false connections. So I could have this like huge headline that like, I don't know, gets you to read it or you just read the headline and then the information in the article doesn't really connect to anything that the headline said, but I mean, you read that headline, you kind of believe it. Or the false, there's false context. As in, I take a quote from what this person said, I take a line from what they said, and I use it out of context. And we all know what that means. I use, like there are instances of pictures of uh, it was in Mexico, but it was police officers who were beaten up and like all bloody. And they said, like, whatever source it was, said like, "Look what the cartel is doing to the Mexican police." And it was like this just happened. That's not it, what that that picture happened like five years before that, right? But they use that picture to just place it into false context. Like, look what just happened. It happens. Like that, I have I show things to my students all the time. Here's one. This is from... This was posted on Facebook by the North Dakota Democratic Organization. Attention hunters, if you vote in North Dakota, you may forfeit hunting licenses you have in other states. If you want to keep your out-of-state hunting licenses, you may not want to vote in North Dakota. Learn more. So this was posted by the Democrat Organization of North Dakota and they said, if you vote, you might have to forfeit your hunting license in other state states. So if you want to hunt out of state, you might not want to vote. That is misleading information. Now, if it makes you feel better, I... Because like, well, that's one-sided. Fox posted up the unemployment rate under President Obama and the line... I'm looking at a chart. The line goes from 9.0 in January to November. It's 8.6 they have the bar going up. Why? Because they want it to seem like the unemployment rate went up because if I'm sourcing, okay, this is Fox News talking about Obama's unemployment rate. The line goes up. I see this for 10 seconds. All I see is unemployment rate, Obama, line going up. Man, he sucked, (laughs) right? It's wrong. Like they got caught doing it. Think about that. That's what I say. Like there are people out there who want to deceive you. Higher ups are trying to deceive you. If it makes you feel better. I did it on both sides. So how do we rise above deception? Being deceived by fake news. We we use sourcing. One corroborate. Are there multiple sources or pieces of information that confirm or support that blank has happened? Let's use the lunchroom analogy. Let's say that multiple people are corroborating and saying that, yes, David did say something very offensive to Junior. And one person is saying, David didn't say anything. And just so happens that person's David's best friend. Like that, this is sourcing. This is checking. This is placing in context. Okay. Multiple people, objective people, like just bystanders. They don't really know Junior or David. They're saying that this happened versus David's best friend, which holds the most weight. That's corroborating. Are multiple people saying the same thing? And then you have to check them and their bias. Would there be a reason? Like, are all those people Junior's best friends? Like Junior, if they're on the football team? and they're all saying it, and like David's just outnumbered. If you can corroborate and support from multiple sources, outside objective sources, whatever is more likely to be true. Then do what we call close reading. What is the document saying? Who is saying it? is there a chance that this is satirical? Like, is, is this supposed to be a joke? You really have to ask yourself, why might this be wrong? Why might this not be entirely true? And it's not like black and white, hundred percent right, wrong, hundred percent right. It's this article could be like 75% correct, but why might it be wrong? Where might I be getting misinformation? Who's writing it? Are they biased? The answer is yes, Are they extremely biased? Does that bias then come through in their writing? Like, is there a tone here? Are they trying to convince you of something or are they just trying to tell you what has happened? Don't just read the headline. That's uh, like, you can't take headlines for what they are. The reason being is a lot of media outlets make their money um, based on how many people click on the article. So it's clickbait. That's how they make their money. So they need to get something that's going to get you to click it. So the article's headline—it's yellow journalism. It's going to be like out there. It's going to make you be like, "Whoa, wait, what?" And like, you got to click it. Go ahead and click it and read it if you want, but like, don't just read the article and then be like, "Oh, dang, that's wild," because they could like this happens it's, it happens for MMA stuff that I watch. Like after the fight, the headline will be like, "Khabib says this," or like Khabib calls out Conor McGregor or whatever. It's a ten-minute video, and it's about like all this different stuff. And then Khabib says something about something Conor McGregor said. It's like that's not what this video was even about. But you just made me watch this whole thing, right? I can't just be like, "Oh, Khabib called out Conor McGregor," blah, blah, and like make an opinion about. It. Like, blah, 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 blah. you gotta like, sh- you need to take the time if you care enough to make an opinion. You should take the time. Check the date. How long ago is this? Was this relatively recently? How close was it to, like, if someone is using an article from a long time ago to support an idea, like, perhaps we should find a more modern, recent article. You need to assume, unfortunately, that any piece of information that's going to help you understand an event might not be entirely true. It's a bummer. So, like, when placing an event in context and looking at the social, political, or economic lens, like, you should ask yourself, okay, what's the government like here? And then you read an article on what the government's like. You need to, like, use sourcing on that article while you're placing things in the context. This is incredibly important, especially coming up in the election. You're going to get so much information thrown at you, and it's people trying to deceive you. You need to, when they're saying, like, look what this person's done to jobs, or look at what this person did in, to taxes, or whatever else, place it into context. When did it happen? What was happening at that time? Social lens. Who are the different people involved? Political lens. Different political political groups. Why might he have you done this? Why might this person have done this for a political advantage? Economic. Finally, you need to be completely honest with yourself. And this is how we'll end. You need to be completely honest with yourself. And it's confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is you read things and find information that supports what you already believe either you are seeking out information that you that will support what you already believe or you read an article and the only thing you take from it is the stuff that supports what you already believe that's confirmation bias we all kind of do it you need to be completely honest with yourself when you're learning about anything and like especially with what's coming up in the election What do you want to be true? What do you want to be false? And you need to be honest with yourself. Like, okay, I really hope that blank. Now, say that out loud. So then, you don't literally need to. So then when you're learning about whatever... You can recognize, like, okay, is this going against what I want to be true? And how am I approaching this right now? Am I like shoving that aside? Like, I don't know about that. Like, oh, look how biased this person is. You know, like, then you're pointing out all the reasons why that person could be wrong just because you don't want to be wrong. We're seeking truth with a capital T. We're seeking to understand events that have happened, how they're connected to other things. We need to place it into context. Who are the people involved? Where did it happen? When did it happen? Why did it happen? Why was this said? Why was this done? Why was this law passed? Why was there a recession at this time? Context is key. When learning about that context, acknowledge that what people are saying isn't entirely true. Understand the source you're looking at. Primary sources are best. Even if a primary source like I'm interviewing Dave and in Junior they are original as it gets they're going to tell me what happened there's two sides to that story i can at least recognize their bias within the source i can't i can't listen to what Junior says I'm like, "Oh, well that's true." Cuz then Dave's going to come in and say something that's like they the complete opposite. I'm like, "Oh, well I don't know them." Can you find the footage? And if you can if Junior and Dave gave totally different stories, then I got to start asking around. Can I corroborate a story? This is this is law. If one person says something that doesn't make it true. If multiple people are on the same page, That could make it true, but then you got to also be suspicious. So as, in final remarks, as we are going through and learning about other cultures and we're learning about uh, development in nations and like climate change, and we're learning about, oh, I don't know, work camps in North Korea, or we're learning about ISIS, or we're learning about Sharia law, or we're learning about Um, women in the Middle East. I'm I'm not just trying to pick on the Middle East right now. We need to try to find truth with a capital T. For instance, if I'm trying to understand 9-11 and I... If I'm going to do that, I have to understand like, well, why do they do that? I'm placing it into context. Who are the people involved? What are their motivations? And I ask myself for the terrorists. Again, calling them a terrorist, I would, they are a terrorist. But like that implies something because they don't view themselves as terrorists. Maybe. Anywho. And I ask, why are they so evil? What kind of answer is that going to give me? If I ask, why are these people so evil? I'm approaching it from a bias. I have to just ask objectively, why did they do what they do? Listen to them. They definitely are telling us why they did it. Are they right? (laughs) I got like, I'm pausing for a second. Like, are they doing what they did? Was that right? No. Are there, are, is there, are there things that they are saying that's true? I don't know. I got to do more research. I can't assume anything is right or wrong. I have to acknowledge like, okay, well, they think that because blank. What's making them think that? Why might they be wrong? Why might they be right? In the end, the biggest truth is that with a capital T, this group believes this and therefore they did this. That's like the most basic level. Of understanding. And then if we want to get like the algorithm, what causes people to be willing to fly a plane into a building? Religion's one of them. That doesn't, that doesn't make a religion wrong, but religion, like this is the algorithm and the wor- way the world works. Religion is a very powerful tool to get people to do things. That's a hint in the algorithm, folks. Tomorrow, as in next week, I keep doing that because I'm used to being a teacher where it's day by day. Next week, we're going to do a crash course history of the world and getting into the beginnings of culture, looking at the origins of humanity, separation of church and state. We're going to give you a side. And then how does civilization start and how does culture start? Adios.